on this Monday, November the 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and for years I have been on KFUO talking on Mondays about readings for the following Sunday, which this Sunday will be the last Sunday of the church year with readings from Ezekiel 34, 1 Corinthians 15, and Matthew 25. We are putting out a newsletter. We've already put out the first issue. If you would at all be interested in receiving this free newsletter for law and gospel, then email me at tombaker at brick dot net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. And we'll be glad to put you on the newsletter. Uh, there's no cost to it. You can take your name off anytime you want. But I want to tell you about the newsletter we're putting out this week for Law and Gospel. It's going to be talking about how I do sermons. Now, I do sermons in a way that I've never really heard anyone else do them. I take a look at the three readings. And after intensely studying the three reason readings, I try to find something in there that contradicts Lutheran theology. What? The Bible doesn't contradict Lutheran theology. Oh, I know that. But you see, when you read the English alone, it often looks like there are contradictions to Lutheran theology. I mean, take a look not only about how every false religion believes you're saved by your works, but you also get that impression from even Christian religions telling you to do good works and God will be pleased with you. That is the exact opposite. First of all, God gets pleased with you through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you do good works. So these good works don't get you to heaven. You're already on your way to heaven when you do a good work. In fact, they're called fruit of the Holy Spirit because they're motivated by the Holy Spirit. So it's not difficult at all to find passages in the Bible that seem to contradict that biblical theology that we are not saved by our works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. But in Matthew 25, you really get the impression that people are going to heaven because of their good works. It's talking about judgment day, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. And he will gather all the nations and separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And then he will say to those who are on the way to heaven, 
come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the group he's talking to, it is said, will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or when you were thirsty and give you drink and the other items? And the Lord will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. But then he will say to those who are not on their way to heaven, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did these things happen? When you were hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and we did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, this is verse 45 of Matthew 25, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the others into eternal life. Now, reading those English words, who would ever deny that we are not going to heaven because of our works. It certainly seems that way. But there are so many other passages in the Bible. The law was not given to follow it and therefore merit heaven. The law instead was given to show that we cannot follow it and therefore we sin not just by deed, but according to the Sermon on the Mount, by word and by thought. When I have youth confirmation and even adult confirmation, we will go through the Ten Commandments, and I will keep teaching it until everyone who is listening realizes that they have broken every commandment, if not by deed, by word or by thought. Of course, every sin is a breaking of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when we have another God, that means us. We decide what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. And that's why we are not going to heaven. 
because we do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit. But how can you read Matthew 25 and conclude that we are not saved by our works, even though these works are mentioned? Well, once more, it's the task of the pastor to explain not only the original languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, but also to explain the English. For example, on Wednesdays, we go through the book of Proverbs. I challenge you to open Proverbs in any chapter at all and read eight verses. I guarantee you will not understand four of them. You will know the English, but you won't know what God is talking about. And that's because a pastor is trained to allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So many of the sayings in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon and others, the elders of Hezekiah, these can be understood by searching the Scripture and finding out what God means. Also, knowing the culture of that day makes a big difference. For example, there's a verse that says, boy, it would be terrible if it's snowing when you are seeding the ground, or if it's raining when you are doing the harvest. Well, farmers like the rain, don't they? So what's this verse talking about? Well, in Palestine, at the time of Solomon and Jesus, when you seeded the ground, you didn't want it snowing because that meant it was too cold for anything to grow. And at the harvest, you did not want it raining because you wanted to pick the items when they are dry in order to separate them, the wheat from the chaff, for example. So snow and rain at the wrong times is really a problem. And that helps you to understand that verse. So what we need to do is take a look at Matthew 25 in greater detail because the answer to do we get saved by our works is no, and we find it in Matthew 25. So begin with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. Now, Matthew, being a disciple of Jesus, knows that the phrase Son of Man was one of Jesus' favorite terms to refer to himself. It certainly is found in the Old Testament. In Daniel, the Ancient of Days, who is God the Father, sends Jesus, the Son of Man, to redeem the world. That's in Daniel. And he's talked about in the book of Revelation. So when he comes and appears in his glory, this is talking about Judgment Day. And Matthew gives us the evidence. 
because all the angels are with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. You see, it's true. The shuns of Jesus, for example, his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. These are summaries of what Jesus went through in order to become our Redeemer. And at the ascension, it says he was raised to the right hand of God, who, of course, God the Father was on his throne. Jesus now also has his throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. Now that's an important word because it includes not just those who are Jewish, but those who are Gentiles. Everybody. And that's found in 1 Thessalonians where those who are alive on earth on judgment day will not proceed, will not go before those who are buried. But those who are buried will be risen from the dead and joined with those who are on earth, all with new bodies in heaven, in the clouds of the air at the same time. And it says that, the Lord will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. So this is important, that on Judgment Day, there is already a separation of the people. And we find out that those on the right are considered by God to be the righteous. And those on the left are unbelievers. They are the foolish ones. See, already there is a separation of people. Then the king will say to those on the right. Now, this next sentence is absolutely critical in understanding what Jesus is saying. He says, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom. Now, that word inherit, that really explains a lot. What do you do? to inherit something. No, you don't do anything. It's the person who dies that they leave something in your will, in their will. For example, there was a man who had breakfast at a restaurant every morning. He had the same waitress for years. She was very kind to him. When he died, he left her thousands of dollars in his will as a thank you. She had no idea. When she was serving him, she didn't serve him with the attitude, well, maybe he'll, 
give me some money in his will. No, she was doing her job. She was doing what she was hired for. So she inherited in a surprising way money from this man. And the text is even clear. Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom. Now, what kingdom? The one prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow. This is talking about even before creation. God realized those who would have faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, because of that faith, they inherited heaven. They received it as a blessing. It is very clear from the rest of the Bible. They received it by grace, which means they did not deserve it. That's why they were blessed. Parents do this all the time. Children born with original sin rebel against parents. They disobey them. The parents sometimes discipline them. But they still feed them, their children, clothe them, take them to school. If you see anything on YouTube, a movie about a person who's arrested, who's always with him, talking to him while he's in jail. It's his mother or father because they're assigned to take care of him. And therefore, regardless of his behavior, children inherit. Now, it's the next part that needs to be explained. Why does God say you are blessed and you will inherit the kingdom to those on his right? Because God finds evidence in their life that they have faith in Jesus Christ. Those who were hungry, they fed. Those who were thirsty gave them a drink. He welcomed strangers into the church, clothed the naked, sick you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the next word is really important. Then the righteous will answer him. Now, why are they righteous? They're not righteous because they did these good works. No, the good works is God's evidence that they are righteous, which means they've been given faith by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times you are unaware of your motivation when you do things. Now, when it came to the unbelievers, are we saying they don't feed the poor or visit those in prison? No, 
We're not saying that. Even unbelievers do these works, but they're not considered fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes very clear that when an unbeliever gives food to the hungry or drink to the thirsty and the rest of these items, that their motivation is self-centered. It has to be because they don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So they're doing these to make themselves look good. Now, there's no doubt at times that even Christians may do these works to make themselves look good. But that is sin. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can repent of that sin. This is really a critical, critical passage to show the difference between law and gospel. The law can never be used to get to heaven, but the law can be used to show that somebody is on their way to heaven because they are doing these good works out of love for Jesus Christ. You may not even be able to understand the motivation of your heart, but God does. And those who are the righteous, they were declared to be righteous from before the foundation of the world, which means it can't be because of their works. It was because God had decided before the foundation of the world to give these people faith in Jesus Christ. And it's only that faith in Jesus that meant that those good works are done for Jesus. He says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So don't think going to church or going to Bible study or reading the Bible at home is the reason why you're going to heaven. No, the reason why you're going to heaven is the cross of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit has moved you to believe in. You're saved through faith, by grace, not by works, so nobody can boast about why they're going to heaven. And yet that's often on the lips of Christians. You can ask a Christian, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And the first thing many of them will say is, well, I hope so. Well, what hope is that? No, the Christian should announce, yes, I will be going to heaven. Why? Because God made that promise to him or her when they were baptized or when they came to faith by hearing the word of God, especially from the book of Galatians, Romans, or Isaiah, where it makes very clear 
that our sin was laid on Jesus Christ on the cross. And therefore, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. God gave that forgiveness to everyone that he had decided would be righteous from before the foundation of the world. There's so much in this text that shows that we do not merit heaven. Instead, we inherit heaven. And therefore, it is a gift. And that's why we are blessed. I said to the congregation Sunday I was preaching at, well, why did God choose you to be a Christian? And we have no answer to that because he chose us by grace. This is the kind of preaching that one needs to hear week after week, law and gospel. Now I wanna make known that the congregation I've been working at for four years each Sunday has called their 11th pastor and he has accepted. So he's getting installed on December the 10th. After December the 10th, I will be available on Sundays to preach or take care of a congregation. We need to work that through, of course, the congregation and the district president, but I'm hoping to find someone. Uh, for example, I'm available on the day before Christmas, that's a Sunday, I can do Christmas Eve service, and I can do Christmas Day service. And if your congregation is without a pastor, I love to be an interim pastor. I've already been an interim at seven congregations. This one's been the longest, over four years, where I'm there each Sunday preaching, doing Bible study, doing adult instruction, baptizing, visiting the sick, and many other things. If at all interested in me coming to your church, Tom Baker at brick.net. Let's continue with the teaching that KFUO is so famous for in talking about the true Jesus Christ who died so that you will never die and live eternally. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.